Again and welcome to I've Got a Beatles podcast with Dave and Chris, and we are going back to our stable of Apple artists today, and it's time for another Apple Scruffs. Although I think very few people would say that she, that the subject of our podcast is a scruff, uh, mm-hmm. but she's actually we'll quite, see. Well, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. At least on the outside, she's very uh, attractive. Uh, but oh yeah, she's she's yeah yeah a knockout knockout. So today we're going to be talking about. One of the earliest signings to Apple Records, and that would be Mary Hopkin. Uh, and she's interesting for a lot of reasons uh, that we'll get into today, but one of them is that she was a find of Paul McCartney. And looking back at our uh, Apple Scruffs episodes, we've looked, I think, almost exclusively at George Harrison-related Apple Scruffs. I guess Paul McCartney did uh, was with uh, James Taylor as well. Uh, but yeah, and had a little bit of tie-in with Badfinger too, yeah. uh, brief, briefly, but it wasn't like instrumental in right. creating their thing. But he he was really shepherded uh, uh, Mary here. Yeah, exactly. So he found her through the model Twiggy, who saw this young Welsh girl uh, named Mary Hopkin, who at the time when Paul saw her on TV uh, was probably about 18 I think uh, she's pretty young and uh, said, oh, you know, Twiggy said, oh, you know, Paul, this is a really talented woman. She's a great singer, blah, blah, blah. And so then Paul was very interested. So uh, she became, as I say, one of the first acts signed to Apple Records and interestingly enough, released the second real single on Apple after Hey Jude. So uh, she was pretty important in the Apple Records story. So what's your what are your thoughts on uh, just finding her and just her kind of aura well i think this was what this i mean it is the early days of apple so they're like uh, optimistic yeah <laughs> right and i think that this is this is like a good example this and james taylor are, are good examples of like what this thing should have been which is let's find a young talented good performer singer song well she's not really a songwriter she's more no. just a singer uh, but but young talented performer and sign them and get them get them going you mm-hmm. know we'll help them we the Beatles will help them lend our name to their cause a little bit and in this case it seemed to have uh, at least uh, 
as far as sales of the album go and sales of the singles, a pretty good results. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, the way it's usually described is, uh, is that Paul was really, really helpful to her at the beginning, right when she was signed, and then Paul became disillusioned with Apple, probably with all the uh, the business problems and fighting with the other guys. So you know, he sort of forgot about her after a while. And so she ended up recording two albums for Apple, one very much with the stamp of Paul and the other one not at all with the stamp yeah. of someone else who uh, Chris will talk about uh, because he also is very much related to one of Chris's favorite artists of all time. Yeah. But but we'll we'll, we'll talk first early. about the first album here, which is going to be uh, an interesting yes. discussion, I think. Yeah, so uh, she recorded an album called Postcard, and mm-hmm. it was in 1968. Uh, it was when she was signed uh, and recorded it. Roughly the late 68, early 69 was released in February of 69 and March. So right around the uh, after the White Album time, uh, sort of in that era. And it's it's a very strange album, I think, because it has a lot of Paul influence. It's almost like a Paul McCartney solo album in some ways. Like it puts together a lot of the types of songs that he liked and, in fact, would record a couple of them. Uh, later on or earlier in the Beatles career so it's it's just kind of a hodgepodge of stuff I, I'd say there's a mixture of folky kind of wispy folk songs uh, yeah there's some old like standard show tunes uh, yeah and then you it, have uh, sort of other uh, not describable type uh, oddities <laughs> Odd- oddities <laughs> Yeah, it's it's way too standards and show tune laden, if you yes. ask me, as a whole. Very much. And I th- I think the and and many of the criticisms of the album is that the song choice is poor. Right. Uh, I I think Paul's doing the song choice here. I think definitely, and he's doing it in a way that he likes. You know, Martha, my dear, and things of that of that thing of that nature, where he's trying to he's trying to you know he's trying to find these old tunes that he likes. The word I kept coming up with, and I was hearing your voice, uh, was the, oh, these a lot of old timey songs. Here. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's probably in my notes uh, dozens of times here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. But it is good, t- good. The arrangements are good sometimes, and even on songs that I don't like at all, I think the arrangements are good. Yeah. The mix is a different story. Well, that, the yes, stereo that's... mix of this, I think, is absolute garbage. It's just really poor, <laughs> if you ask me. <laughs> that's interesting because I listened to uh, the the album that it's it's on Spotify and the remastered 2010 version, but I also have it on LP. I have a the original album that I got for $5 at a record store in Kansas city. And it's very different. Like you said, it's really, it's, yeah, it much, the record is much softer and mm-hmm. I, and less in your face with the voice. I think I heard, when I listened to the, the 2010 version, it's it, her voice is just so much in the mix. It's like, it becomes very annoying, uh, but it's yeah. a little better mixed on the record. So Okay, it, so so, yeah. so maybe it's not the original remix that I need to point fingers at. It's this 2010 remaster. I think so. That maybe they uh, botched the job a little bit on this particular album. Now the other album, 
doesn't doesn't bother me mm. uh, as far as the mix goes, but this mix just didn't didn't do it for me. Yeah. So the first tune was "Those Were the Days" there that we heard. Yeah. So what do you think of that one? Big number one hit. It was a big hit, and the interesting thing was in the U.S. it was not, or it was on the album. In the U.K. it was not on the album. Uh, in the original original days. So my version, my record actually does have it on there, and yeah. that's just one of those those quirks. Uh, it was very popular, so it was a number one hit on the UK singles chart, and then reached number two in the US Billboard 100, uh, which was held back by Hey Jude. So oh, yeah. I'd say that's well, pretty good competition. <laughs> yeah. uh, yep, it's it's nice. It's uh, a building kind of song. It starts out kind of quiet and mysterious, and then it really starts to build and get much more interesting in the arrangement. Um, it's to me very repetitious though. Uh, it's the same, same thing over and over again, but it's catchy. Well, well, you know what it is, is it's an old Russian tune. Yeah. It's a folk song that they, that they rewrote Gene Raskin wrote lyrics to mm-hmm. English lyrics to, and then they, they, they put it out there and like, uh, G, written by Gene Raskin yeah. as if he had anything to do with the music. <laughs> yeah. So. Right. So. But, uh, it's not bad. It's, it's, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's still, my, uh, the word novelty is mm. going to come up a lot in this first album, and that's what the biggest thing that bothers me about it is. Uh-huh. A lot of it just comes off as sort of like, oh, here's a here's a quirky little uh, novelty tune. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's what uh, those were the days kind of like feels like to me. Probably the best of them. It is, yeah. But but still, kind of feels like a novelty song to me. It is very catchy. I'll give it that, and I can see why it was popular. Because uh, it's got a good chorus and you can really, really remember it. Uh, but then, then you have the first of three Donovan songs on the album, which is kind of, I guess it makes sense if you think about it. That Donovan himself has sort of a a wispy voice. Uh, it, and yeah, it's kind of the the folky. I I just can't help but think of him in uh, the Bob Dylan movie Don't Look Back. And that everyone calls that one of the biggest slams of all time when Donovan sings this really wispy, lame song to Dylan, and then Dylan says, "Hey, give me your guitar," and then he just wails, uh, "It's all over now, baby blue," and it just like yeah. Donovan looks like a little like he's so embarrassed how bad he was in comparison, uh, yeah. but just kind of slight. But I will say the Donovan songs here, and the first one is called uh, "Lord of the Reedy River." Uh, it, it, they're pretty nice, so we'll take a listen to. Uh, the first song, uh, Lord of the Reedy River. She fell in love with a swan Her eyes were filled with feathers He filled her with song In the reedy river In the reedy river She and her boat Long hours In his right Plumage, she threw him some flowers. 
Lord of the Reedy, Reedy River. Real short tune, that one. Yeah. Very, kind of a mournful uh, song from Donovan. And like you said, very. It's, I, I like it. This song's good. Most Donovan songs, to me, including the next one, are j- odd and uh, yeah, just weird. Yeah. I was going to ask if you're a. songs. I was going to ask if you're a Sunshine Superman or. Uh, uh, some of those Donovan. Mellow Yellow. Mellow Yellow, yeah. You Am like... I mad about Saffron? Is that yeah. what you're asking? <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm not a big Donovan guy. How about you? Are you? No, a... me neither. No, I don't. I just don't. A lot of it, like, there, he has a few good songs. Yeah. But most of them, like, Barabba Jabble, right? Isn't yeah. that a weird song? It's, like, one of the weirdest songs ever. Just a cuckoo, yeah. cuckoo, Barabba Jabble. <laughs> Yeah, they're unusual, song. I think. Maybe an acquired taste. Uh, but I, I don't know. This one I like because it's very, you know, like you say, mysterious and kind of sets up what's going to come. Uh, and mm-hmm. it, what what happens next is another Donovan song, and it's called Happiness Runs. And in parentheses, Pebble and the Man. Yes, Pebble and the Weird. Man. Little Pebble Upon the Sand is one of the lyrics, for instance. I feel like we're in a in this song we're in a, a sort of like a a super old time fairy tale or yeah, something. Yeah, it, it's very like like a fantasy. Like we're in like elves and gnomes and stuff. Are <laughs> yeah, around uh, oboes and flutes yes. in this thing, and uh, a little too much la 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 la's in, la, in la, this la, particular la 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 It doesn't work for me. If you listen to the arrangement it may sound familiar if you listen to one of our earlier apple scruffs albums because it's done by the same arranger as the james taylor album and if you remember oh. all the woodwinds and yeah yeah strings and stuff it's the same guy yeah. richard hewson so i uh, see yeah so it's a little too much too much of that yeah you if you if you listen to this album on a regular basis, uh, uh, this will be uh, one of your skippers, probably. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but Lord of the Reedy River, good. Happiness runs so so at best. Love is the Swedish sweetest thing. A, sort of a British dance band song here. Yeah, written by Ray Noble, who is probably best known for the jazz standard Cherokee. And this is this is the first of those old timey songs that you're talking about uh with that it i guess the question is do you think it's kind of a mismatch the fact that she here she's got this folky persona and folky style that was for the donovan tunes and now she's singing these show tunes yes i do yeah i i think that the 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 biggest problem with this album too is that okay so the first song uh, if you consider uh those were the days okay so that sounds like a throwback song yep and then Lord of the Reedy River sounds just like a contemporary folk song. And then Happiness Run sounds like it's from a, a fairy tale. <laughs> and then Love is the Sweetest Thing here sounds like it's a British dance band a 30s right. Uh, tune. Right. Uh, like, you, could, you could very easily see oh, Fred Astaire is sort of oh, wistfully yeah. singing this in the middle of a 30s movie. You know? Totally, totally. So, and then we jump to an even more old timey uh, thing called yeah. Chris. How's your Welsh? <laughs> Poor. <laughs> Poor. <laughs> yeah, because Mary Hopkin is Welsh, so she chooses yeah. the next song. I'm not even going to pronounce it. Do you want to give it a try? Blood and Gwyn. 
Yeah. Ye blood and Gwyn. Ye blood and Gwyn. <laughs> if we have any Welsh listeners, maybe you can uh, send us the pronunciation for it. What do you think of that track? Uh, it's very pastoral. Like we're it's out very... in the countryside somewhere. Y- yes, hearing yes. Hearing shepherds and stuff. Yeah. Yes, but also sort of like uh, uh, Christian-y. Sort of like, uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It sounds like very like <laughs> English, English hymn-like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Not... Not great, not not terrible. No, Better just... than the lazy next song. <laughs> well, the, next the honeymoon one. song. Yeah, the honeymoon song, which you might remember from the Beatles at the BBC set, uh, where the Beatles themselves performed that one. Paul sang it, which is probably why he brought it back. And yeah. uh, I, I liked it on the Beatles version. I thought it was much more. Um, what was uh, it's very peppy like it's got a cool beat and the same beat is here but it just is too overproduced and too overscored i think for her voice yeah yeah this is probably a a, a paul misstep as far yes. as the production goes it sounds i was like what is this uh ringo tune on one of his albums because <laughs> yeah. of the sort of like weak bossa nova kind, yes. of, <laughs> kind of thing happening with it <laughs> The guitars are good on it. I mean, all of these, there's there's some good elements on it, yes. musically. But n- none of these are you going to seek out from yeah. Happiness Runs all the way up to uh, this, the the song after this one. Yeah, so, but so. Honeymoon Song sort of sort of weak. Now, the next one, when I heard it, uh, I didn't look at who wrote it. But then once I saw who wrote it, I thought, oh, yes, of course. That definitely sounds like a Harry Nielsen tune. And, yeah. uh, but I've never heard this song. It's called The Puppy Song. Let's play just a little bit of the puppy. Sure. <laughs> well, I, I, I keep waiting for her to, her to sing. People, let me tell you about my girlfriend. Yeah. She's long. <laughs> it's just like the same feel as that that uh, Harry Nielsen tune. Like it's very much yeah. his style. The kind of quirky, quirky tune. Uh, I could hear his voice on this one very well. Yeah, uh, it's it's like a very hammy arrangement too. Like with the wah 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 wah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think Harry Nielsen tunes sometimes don't work so well outside of his yeah. voice. Yeah, because the way he's he's got this subtle sort of like the songs. Sometimes the songs are dopey like this, like <laughs> singing about a puppy, you know. But it's like, oh, since he's doing it, it's sort of a, a tongue in cheek a little bit. Like, but coconut. with Mary Hopkins singing it, it's like 
why are we hearing a song about a we I know he'd never bite me, Fritz. <laughs> this is one of the lyrics. It's just really in no in no way like I'm listening to this in my headphones and I'm like Ugh, if people could hear that I'm listening to this, they are not going to think I'm cool. <laughs> embarrassing. You know? It's embarrassing. <laughs> oh. But again, it's like another song that sounds like novelty filler. Yeah, instead of like what should be the meat and potatoes of the album. It's like... And the next one's definitely novelty filler, too. Oh, yeah. Well, speaking of retreads, uh, this is another one that Paul would record some 40 years later, I guess, on... Uh, or 40 plus years later on yeah. Kisses on the Bottom, which uh, this is the song <laughs> Inchworm by Frank Lesser. And That's right. I remember it's amazing this isn't the first time we've talked about this song. I know, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it keeps coming back. Uh, I, re- do, I remember, do you remember the word you used for Inchworm on the Kisses on the Bottom review? I do remember the word. <laughs> no, what was it? Listless. Listless, yeah. <laughs> this that, is you, this is similar. It? Well, I felt like this one. This one sounded a little more, once again, pastoral church-like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, and this one has some uh, uh, extra harp or something on it to yeah. like give it a little, give it a little like motion energy. Mm-hmm. So I think it's actually a little more energetic than the inchworm on the pulse pulse thing. But I'd still probably prefer paul's one to this one yeah yeah it's it's still not great i mean it's in the two <laughs> part comes in at about halfway through yeah so i don't know it's not a great arrangement I no i sometimes i think the arrangements in some of these apple albums i think the beatles themselves got a little overboard uh if you remember doris troy sometimes could be over or covered up by the arrangements and uh, Billy yeah. Preston, same same thing here. I think it's a little too much. Uh, you, you don't hear her voice, and that that that's supposed to be her her you know stock and trade is her singing. So you don't really hear it much. Uh, it's yeah. kind of over over covered up. But I think uh, when you flip the album, uh, you get another Donovan tune, and I have to say this is my favorite of the Donovan tunes, "Voyage oh. of the Moon," and it it starts out with just her. And it's it to me it fits her style really well. It's a very long song, uh, but it's a very memorable, good melody. Uh, I did have a note. This is good for her voice. I yeah. feel like finally we're we're like getting into some tunes that are like really fitting for her to sing. Mm-hmm. Good, good for her to voice. It's though this also seems in the style of like a traditional kind of English tune, but yeah. but uh, I I did put the note. They're not really going for hits here. No. Like, with stuff like this. <laughs> no. You know? Uh, no. But, yeah, it, not not too bad of a tune. Uh, we're going to start getting some things that sort of save the album a little bit here yeah. after a long run of stuff I wouldn't Questionable put on the album. choices. Um, but you're right about that. I think it's a really good description is the English pastoral uh, religious sound. Like, if you know the composer John Rutter... Uh, something like something like that, sort of pastoral, but very yeah, yeah, like, very English. Yeah. Slightly, the word I think I was thinking of before is slightly neutered. Ah, you know, uh, uh-huh. because it's it's pastoral. It's sort of like uh, uh, safe, tame, yeah, safe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, now 
this next tune, Lullaby of the Leaves, is my personal favorite on the album, actually. Another show so, tune. Yeah, so let's see our little Lullaby of the Leaves. a really cool woodwind lick and horn lick in there uh, yeah it just really came out of nowhere and spiced up the song because it was but it, it's a it's a good arrangement and good very haunting melody uh it's a as i've heard like i don't know what to say chet baker or some other jazz musicians play this tune it's it's a haunting tune and she sings it well yeah i, I this is this is exactly what they should they should have been doing the yeah. whole album it just like it really excited me i was like oh yeah okay yeah all right <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's so. definitely one of the show tunes that works the best probably because uh, yeah. it's definitely not one of the ones coming up but <laughs> uh, yeah uh young loves the next tune um uh, one of the more contemporary sounding songs in the on mm-hmm. the sort of has some a rock cool... rock accompaniment to it right? yeah some cool yeah. guitar on it actually yeah. But weird backup vocals. It's like the backup <laughs> vocals that just don't fit at all no. to me. Um, and then we go Gershwin. Yeah, now we're going to go back to another old classic <laughs> here, Someone to Watch Over Me, uh, which the, Mary's version doesn't exactly make me forget Ella Fitzgerald or uh, <laughs> anybody like that. It's yeah. not a standout track. I think very mismatched. Yeah, decent yeah. enough arrangement. Yeah. But uh, Paul, 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 in the uh, other than the song selection, which I'm not sure it was entirely his doing, or we we don't know. Yeah. Here. But it, to do, doing his job as far as like making the song arrangements pretty interesting. Oh yeah, he does a decent enough job on that. Definitely, I think. definitely. So you've got the Gershwin tune, and then the next one is, is sung en français. Uh, it's called well, Prince en Avignon. Uh, yep. So it's a French tune. And mm-hmm. again, very. I found this one very busy, like very yeah. active. A lot of stuff going on in the arrangement. A lot of drum. There's like yeah. a drum effect happening that's kind of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was kind of sort of okay, kind of eh. Yeah, sort of forgettable. To me. Um, but the, then. The next one's a very odd one. You want to tee this one up here? Yeah, we got George Martin right writing this text. The fifth Beatle? <laughs> the fifth Beatle, uh uh with a song called The Game. 
Some George toot, Martin. Toot, 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 toot. <laughs> Very detached uh, woodwinds on this one. Yeah. Uh, some George Martin piano there, sounding good. George was like, oh, this one is. It? I, I, I'm not doing a good George Martin here, but <laughs> this one's a, a love song. And um, you know what? It takes place at a carnival. Go. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just reminding me of a carnival. You know? Yeah. Sounds a little bit like Strawberry Fields Forever with a Mellotron or something at the beginning. It's got an unusual timbre to it. I but... think she plays that Mellotron herself. Ah, maybe, yeah. 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 Well, sounds good. It's. I think it's unusual. I like it for the fact that it's uh, the only George Martin song, original some pop song that I know of was recorded, so... Pretty interesting for that fact. Yeah, I I don't love it. It's but, not, no, you know, no, it, no, it's sort not. of like it's sort of like uh, uh, you know, uh, this was a scene in a movie and there's yeah. a romance happening at a carnival. Yes, and life <laughs> perfect, was the game. Perfect song choice. Life was the game we played. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we go show tunes again. Uh, Too many show tunes already. Yeah. No, let's shove an unnecessary. <laughs> listless version <laughs> of there's no business like show business in here probably the biggest dud of the other other for yeah, sure real bad i you're, i'm not gonna again i was talking about ella fitzgerald i'm i don't miss ethel merman uh singing this one with ours no business like show business. <laughs> uh, yeah, this, this is very weak uh, everything about this is not appealing exactly exactly <laughs> yeah so uh, kind of a poor way to end the album. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, then we get on the on the. Um, I'm always going off of Amazon uh, Unlimited. Yep. And you are always going off of Spotify. Correct. Uh, and this album's available in, in its extended version on both of those, as is the uh, other album we'll talk about here in a minute. Uh, so so though the album proper ended with. There's no business like show business. We get the what became a single, I believe. Uh, turn, turn, turn. That was the version B, of the B side of uh, "Those Were the Days." So, yeah, yeah. So, what do you think of "Turn, Turn, Turn"? Again, I like <laughs> it's hard. That's a, a song I so identify with the birds that it's yeah. pretty hard to improve on that one. And uh, it's okay. It, it's I don't know. She sings it as, about as well. It, it's actually a good fit for her, I think. Uh, we also get probably the most notable tune that we'll talk about in this whole podcast. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Goodbye. Yeah. What do you think of goodbye? So we'll play this. It's a perfect song to play to go out of with the episode. We have to have to do it. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Got to get through it. If, yeah. Well, if you didn't know anything about Mary Hopkin, you may have heard this song before because it was on Anthology 3 uh, because you have Paul McCartney's version of it. And mm-hmm. this is like such a such a McCartney tune, and the whole production, everything is just just screaming Paul here. Uh, the yeah. chord progression, the guitar playing. There's actually a video on YouTube of the two of them in the studio listening to it and kind of singing over it, and it's got do do do's and la la la's, and 
Uh, yeah. All those sorts of Paul things, but uh, it's it's I love it. It's great. It's catchy. Um, yeah. It's it's a good tune. I think it's good. I think it was a perfect song to give to someone else. Yes. Yeah, I think yeah. as a Beatles song, if it had been recorded and shoved onto an album, uh, one of the late Beatles albums, oh. we'd probably point it at it as one of the worst Beatles songs. Because it just doesn't it doesn't quite fit as a Beatles song to me. No. It, 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 it might be a first song that really, really, really is like Paul drifting off into his own direction mm-hmm. because I could see it with a slightly different production uh, being on, say, McCartney. Yes, you know. Yes, and and there, like, it, it reminds me a lot of Teddy Boy mm-hmm. and Junk and a couple songs like that. Definitely. Uh, but so there's a, a little slight flavor of McCartney here too, with the it's sort of like a pitter pattery kind of thing <laughs> happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I like it. I like yeah. it. I think it's good. Uh, there was some debate online about whether the the Paul version or the Mary Hopkin version was better. Uh, they're pretty similar to me. Uh, it's sort of like come and get it. The Badfinger version and the Paul version also are pretty similar. Yeah. Uh, so they're both good, I think. Uh, and then you also get a Sparrow, which is a sad song about going to church yeah, or something. Something like that. I, I don't remember uh, a thing about it. It was... <laughs> <laughs> completely Fields forgettable of saint etini etienne so etienne uh which is okay i guess and then uh if you didn't get enough for those were the days this was your favorite part of all there are four different foreign language versions of those were the days i'm always amused by foreign language versions of oh yeah uh, of hit songs like oh we got to make the germans will not listen to our our English language version of those were the days we got to make one for Germany. We have to listen to on Yenem talk. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah, we've got le temps de fleurs or <laughs> que tiempo tan valise or quelli andranno yeah. giorni. So you've got four <laughs> different versions of that. Yeah. yeah. So that, that ends it. So what do you think of postcard as a whole? Uh, well, it went nothing to... to write home about. Get it. Uh, ah, good one there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think it's a mixed bag. I think the there are a couple standout tunes. Some of the Donovan tunes are good. A couple yeah. of the show, like I'd say, a couple of each of the genres work. Uh, but overall, it's just too hodgepodge, too much of a great mixture. word. Yeah, great word. It's a mess. It's a mess. It's, just it, there's no coherent to the the theme of it too. No. And it, it just seems like it. I mean, Paul obviously put a lot into it, uh, but. Just it, it's just like Paul picking his favorite kinds of tunes and having someone sing them. And I saw read a review that said you could almost put any female voice in there in, on some of those songs. It didn't really bring out Mary Hopkins' best qualities. So uh, that's that's kind of the deal. But it was pretty popular. Hit number three in the UK, and of course the the single uh, "Those Were the Days" was a big hit. But then. Yeah. Uh, Mary got married and married yeah. someone famous, correct? Well, she was. I, I mean, I, how famous is is a, a question. Anthony Edward Tony Visconti, who's actually one of my favorite producers. Yes, he, he's a, also a musician and singer. He's perf- uh, best known for his involvement with David Bowie, and particularly the most recent David Bowie albums. He then reality the next day and Black Star he produced all of those. Yeah, 
and he also was involved in a lot of his 70s uh, stuff including with uh, John right with the uh, with fame and I think he produced uh, young Americans yeah young Americans yeah. yeah he also has produced a lot like all pretty much all the T-Rex albums mm-hmm. if you like T-Rex from 1969 to 2016 just has dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of credits with all kinds of different artists uh, including Iggy Pop and se- several people you'd know, Boomtown Rats, mm. John Anderson, Adam Ant, Modern Romance. Wow! So a lot, a lot of a vast variety of stuff, and he does a great job. I think he does uh, uh, the Ivies even. Oh yeah. yeah. So so a lot of different, a lot of different uh, people. Well, he was married to to <laughs> to Mary Hopkins, so so uh, they did an album. And the I second? should say, I should say, as a little trivia, do you know who his second wife was? Remind me. Well, who was John with on his lost weekend? Oh, May May, May Pang? Pang. Yeah. Oh, was that's his second right. Wife. Yeah. That's right. So he was that's very right. much involved. And with I Beatles. think that's how he got involved with uh, doing uh, the song Fame. Yeah, that would make sense. So, but yeah, uh, go but, ahead. They were so they got married, and Mary Hopkins yeah. and Tony. Yeah, yeah. So they did a, a record called Earth Song, Ocean Song. Um, and that's the second Apple release, Earth Song, Ocean Song. The first song of which called... Now, I, wa- I just want to speak in general about this album. Yeah, how is it different from Postcard? First off, before before we get to that, this album was mixed by Ken Scott. Oh, for, yeah. yeah. Who I just saw who, recently in you Michigan. You just saw recently yeah. in Michigan. Wow. Uh, uh, so Ken Scott also involved. Uh, Ken Scott also did a lot of David Bowie stuff. Also involved in this album. Hmm. So that the the production and mixing team I think are top notch on this album. Yeah, yeah. And it's a much better album as a result. It holds together thematically. Uh, the lyrics and song choices much more meaningful. It sounds a lot more poetic. Mm. A lot about and there's a lot of themes about earth and and life and being open, uh, including this first song we'll play here, International, which is about we should reach out and become <laughs> funny to listen to this these days. Yeah. we should reach out and open our borders and everyone and and the whole world become international. Hmm. Uh, so let's take a listen to International and then we'll talk a little, a little bit more. you decree Hey 
Well, much more of the folk song style uh, of her there. And, and the, the clips I've heard from this album sound much more like the early 70s folk singer, kind of like a Joni Mitchell or a Cat Stevens or that kind of style. And it seems to fit her better. Yeah, fits her voice. Like th- that song immediately was like, oh, this is much, fits yes. her voice much better than anything on that or previous album. Yeah. Really. And and the the string arrangements on this are, are much subtler. Subtle, that's a good word. Yeah, they're not over <laughs> the top, real busy on top of her. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's the first song on this one. Uh, the second song, there's got to be more. It's kind of oddballs of a song, <laughs> a jingle jangly, sort of ref- reminiscent of uh, everybody's talking. Oh yeah, like uh, Harry Nilsson. The Harry Nilsson song. Uh, so I've said it's sort of a traveling song. It's like one you put on when you're on. Uh, uh, lots of bass, perhaps too much bass, too. A little distracting. Um, but that, once again, the song's in a range. Sounds pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Silver Bir- Bir- Birch and Weeping Willow is really good. Uh, 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 sweet little quiet song. Good chord changes. Some banjo. Ooh, yeah. You know, it's like another another different layer there. Uh, I like that one. Um, and I also like "How Come the Sun," which is a uh, uh, sus- suspe- a lot of suspended chords in that. Remind me of uh, Harrison mm-hmm. sort of song, right? Yeah. Uh, um, so pretty good arrangement on that one. Let's that hear written, the uh, that was written by looks like by Tom Paxton, who was another folk singer. So, yeah, again, very much the folk element here. Yes. Let's hear another one. Uh, this is Earth Song. Now, this was the single. I don't think it did very well <laughs> uh, from the album, but uh, it, yes, Earth it Song. Failed, failed the chart, it looks like. Um, oh. <laughs> not good. Well, no. we'll see if it's worthy of charting or not. very beautiful i mean it's this is it's not very commercial i can see why it's it wouldn't have been a great single but uh, Mm -hmm. it's like it just sounds very uh meaningful and sophisticated and it's it's guitar playing and the arrangement is really well scored and uh, yeah just like a good overall listening experience 
This uh, this article, uh, this is on the website BeatlesNews.com. They have a little write-up here on Earth Song, Ocean Song. And it, say, it says very, uh, pretty much what you just said, that, that they uh, the arrangements were um, uh, good without being over overdone. Yeah, basically like the McCartney ones, nice and subtle, but that there's no hit. There's no hit like a real big hit song on this album. No. So so it it, it pretty much went ignored. But as a whole, this album really, really is pretty good. Even these songs that are a little stranger, like Martha here. (laughs) Uh, it's like a dramatic story song. Mm -hmm. Uh, and there's a lot of string punctuation. It reminds me of. Paul Buckmaster, Elton John arrangements. Oh yeah, done like that kind <laughs> of dramatic stuff. Yeah. yeah, and it has the fun lyric: "Who was it who tore her life apart and left it for the rats to find?" Ooh, I like that line. One of the, one of the better, yeah. one of the better, better, weirder lyrics I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Streets of London. It's sort of a this one's sort of a more of a breezy, cheerful tune. Um, she'll so really teach us how to enjoy life in this. Song. <laughs> she'll so she'll take our hand, walk us through London, and show us how great London is. Excellent. Um, and then the next song is a well-known uh, tune uh, called "The Wind." Mm-hmm. From uh, how do you how do you feel about the writer of "The Wind," the uh, singer now uh, named Yusuf Islam? Yes, yes. Otherwise, uh, at that better time, known as Cat Stevens. Cat Stevens. Yeah. Are you a big Cat uh, Stevens fan? I mean, I like some of those tunes. They, they were so overplayed, but uh, yeah. I think I think they're nice tunes. I can see her being in that style very much. This so this was actually a on his album T for the Tillerman uh, mm-hmm. album. So one uh, of his big, big, big. Yeah, albums. that was a, that have, was a. Uh, wild world or i can't remember one of the other yeah, yeah. that kind of a tune was on that album uh but very much yeah like in that same vein and she sings it well i think it's it's a good tune yeah uh and then uh the song uh next song i'm gonna play this one uh called water paper and clay it starts as sort of a simple tune just her voice and then it'll build up to something pretty pretty uh cool so let's hear a little water paper and clay Paper and clay uh, to carry you and fire to burn the
I like the build up there. It's kind of like a sing along. Uh, you could get the whole get the whole group together for that. Yeah. Now this is this is it feels like a traditional English song yes. or something. It, but they've done it in the right way, and they've subtly built it up, and it just becomes this big, sort of like almost like epic sing along anthem yeah, or something. Yeah, anthem's a good word for it. Yeah. So uh, I, I love that tune. Love it. Mm-hmm. Um, Ocean Song, pretty good. Love the guitar on that one. Coo Gardens or Q Gardens or whatever yeah. is probably the biggest skipper on the, on the album. It's okay, though. <laughs> At least it's short. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a song when I'm old one day. Uh, I'm like, this is sort of her when I'm 64. <laughs> uh, but she lists all these things in the song, uh, soaking up the sun, talking to the air, mumbling praises to the shadows. And I was like, I wonder if she's doing any of those things now. Cause Maybe. she's probably, probably at least 64 now. So, yeah. Um, but in all seriousness, I, I like that song a lot. Two. And then uh, this one was the end of the album, and it's called Let My Name Be Sorrow. Let's hear a little of this one, too. My name be sorrow. Yeah. Again, it just the, every cut you've played from this album seems like a, so different from Paul's production. Uh, just much more appropriate, and you can really—I don't think you could tell that she had a really great voice as much because it was drowned out on that first album. But here, the arrangements are much more supportive than uh, they're supportive of her voice, so it st- stands out. Yeah, they they sort of said in that uh, article uh, comparing the two albums. Uh, uh, this was the article I mentioned from uh, Beatlesnews uh, dot com on the Mary Hopkins album Earth Song Ocean Song. At the very beginning, they they talked about the previous album, and they're like, uh, "Well, Paul's arrangements are good, but he could pretty much fill in any any female singer in yeah. to do this album." Whereas this album is like seems like really created for her mm-hmm. and it's unfortunate that it didn't do well because she kind of dis after this oh okay so let my name be sorrow and then there's a couple there's a uh, a couple uh, uh foreign language versions of my, <laughs> uh baby sorrow and and a and a b-side called jefferson which is pretty good so that mm-hmm. that finishes off that album but i i think earth song ocean song is a great album mm-hmm obviously going to be one of the most under uh, obscure albums underappreciated albums out there yeah uh uh 
particularly uh, anything we ever talk about is uh, or have ever talked about other than maybe a couple of Ringo albums <laughs> have been listened to more than this album but this album is is great it's coherent it, it sounds wonderful I'd give it like a seven or an eight. Wow! I'm 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 re-listening to it again and again. I'm going back. I'm like, oh yeah, I get oh. to listen to this one again. Whereas the other, the postcard, is the one everybody's going to listen to because it's got a couple hits and Paul Paul's involved. Yeah, you know. And so in a way, a, that's it's unfortunate to me. So then that yeah, as we wrap it up, I'll ask the question: and is a Beatle influence necessarily a good thing? In a way, I mean, think about. Uh, the James Taylor stuff, I mean, Paul didn't really have a whole lot to do with that album, but he was playing on a couple of the tunes, uh, whereas on, like, Doris Troy, George is all over that album. Uh, and mm-hmm. it had, we, we said it had its issues. So I don't know, do you think maybe Paul was had too much of a footprint on that first album that it just couldn't breathe like the second one did? Uh, maybe so. I, I It's hard to, it, it, I mean, it's, I, I think it, it's a, more of a symptom of Apple as a whole, uh, of like the idea, oh, we're going to shepherd these people, but are they really, it, did they really do that? Did yeah. they really bring these people along into, most of these people went off and had the careers they had uh, uh, away away with no, with no help. I guess yeah. just, just by giving them the first record contract, I guess... Yes, they did help. Yeah, greatly. <laughs> yeah, is the is the true answer. But <laughs> that's what Apple Records claimed that they were going to be, and I don't think they really accomplished it. And it's I mean it's nobody's fault really. It, no. the, the big whole thing was a big mess. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and once Alan Klein gets involved, then the whole thing's a mess. But uh, uh, what happened with uh, uh, Mary Hopkin? Post, I always like to give a little update on yeah. post, the post-Apple uh, 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 career. So those two albums came out, and then she did a album called Those Were the Days, where I think like trying to recapture her. <laughs> uh, and then she took took off for a while and just, just went and, and I think had... Had kids. Had kids, yeah. her, her and, and uh, uh, Tony and... and uh, uh, the rest of the seventies sort of were uh, kind of not heard from very much, and and then she g- came back sort of in the late eighties, uh, released an album called Spirit. Uh, got I think in the mid eighties got involved with a, a band called Oasis, not the Oasis, not we the know, one we love, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then uh, and then started recording again in two thousand, and since then a couple couple albums uh, a year or every couple years uh released an album and and still tours i believe and yeah. still some welsh plays albums every once in a while. Yeah. yeah and i think her uh uh daughter uh jessica lee morgan is now a, a singer so yeah. he survived yeah a good singer i i really uh do love that uh second album earth yeah. song ocean Time. i'd give that maybe a seven or eight like i said and uh, i'd give the first one maybe a little more generous and maybe give it two a, no oh, wow wow <laughs> no, I'll, give, I'll give it i'll give it a four yeah i'll give postcard maybe a five and a half just for a couple a couple of the songs it was a, a couple of them worked well about half and half were good so uh, yeah, but it's it, certainly an interesting figure, and 
and she's always going to be remembered by that tune. Uh, those were the days. So, yep. uh, and by this tune that we're going to go out with. Yeah, and our final tune here for the episode. So, yeah, always fun to look at these Apple scruffs, and uh, especially people who uh, were going to be running out of people who. Uh, have had some chart success i think she's one of the the last ones that was really well known i think yeah we'll we'll have a couple what we're saying is we'll, we'll get back into this at some point uh they're gonna be real obscure from yes <laughs> from now on <laughs> yeah but that was good we got some good stuff coming up i mean obviously ringo's got an album coming out we're yep. gonna have to we're gonna have to uh review that one have you heard the I heard there's yeah, songs from that. They've released two songs from it now. I've heard the first one, which is the title track, uh, "Give Me Love." Does it "Give Me Love" or something like that? Uh, it, not very. It's got to have something to do with love. Something about peace right? and love. Yeah, it didn't do much for me. Uh, the second song I've not listened to yet, but I know it's the one that McCartney plays bass on and and sings background vocals. So I'm curious to hear that one. Well, we'll we'll save that for the review. We got that yep. one coming up. We got some more. Uh... A lot more, a lot more things coming up. Definitely. We're back here. We had a little uh, summer hiatus here, uh, travels and such. So uh, got more interviews and more reviews and all sorts of stuff coming. So keep your ideas on the way. I I believe we're both in the country for the remainder of the calendar year. Yes, should be. That helps. Yes, definitely. (laughs) Definitely. So good to be back and... Uh, we thank you again for listening. You can check us out. If you want to send us an email, you can do it at I've got a Beatles podcast at hotmail.com. And then the other ways. Well, uh, at I've got a Beatles on Twitter, we post a song of the night, uh, more or less every day. If we think about it. And, uh, of course our Facebook page is pretty active and, yeah. uh, we got. Uh, I, I re- very much enjoyed. Uh, there was a review of uh, Paul concert yes. that one of our uh, listeners had uh, sent to us in a long, long form, and uh, you reposted that um, uh, for everybody to see. If, if by all means, if you see a Paul or Ringo show and want to give a little uh, write up about it, send it to us. In definitely. one of those methods we mentioned, and we'll we'll most definitely uh, repost it. I, uh, the other listeners would like to hear, read that kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, we got. So some... that's that's what that's what we we love. We love. I mean, you posted that, and then there was so much back and yes, forth exactly between, between uh, uh, fans of the podcast. So we really love that kind of thing. Yeah. Keep them coming. So. Yeah. In the meantime, we'll go out with Mary Hopkins' second hit. Uh, the Paul McCartney produced, written, and pretty much everything <laughs> song uh, called Goodbye. And so hey, how perfect that we get to say goodbye <laughs> as we listen to Mary Hopkins sing Goodbye. <laughs>